0: The Marriage Project is a community organization that exists to educate a future generation while encouraging and inspiring hope for this one through the portrait of God's design for marriage. It is a collective of stories from couples spanning across the nation and globe to share with you the hope they have found in Jesus. This is a one-stop shop to hear how God has impacted each life here and to shine light and shed light on what our part is in His plan. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Marriage Project Podcast. I'm your host, Alicia Miller, and I am so thankful that you all are here tuning in with us today. Each month, I'm joined by a new couple sharing their marriage story and testimonies, and I have to say, this month's couple has a very unique perspective as they are the lead pastor and lead pastor's wife at East Haven Baptist Church in Brookhaven, Mississippi. I have the honor of talking with Dustin and Rebecca George, and I am so excited to dive into challenges, triumphs, and just miscellaneous things pastors and their families face that you may never have even thought about before. So not only is Rebecca a pastor's wife, Rebecca is passionate about cheering others on in their pursuit of making God known through their unique calling and hosts a podcast called Do The Thing Movement. She's an awesome writer, and I actually was going to be rooming with her at a conference last year, but... We didn't get to do that because thank you, coronavirus, right? Yes. It, through all that conference, but um, I'm just excited to have them on, and we haven't ever met in person because of that, but I feel like I know Rebecca, and I'm excited to get to know her husband, Dustin. So just to kick this off, let me introduce them to you that you guys can say hello and just fill us in on a few more details. I'm sure there's a few other things that you could um say about yourselves or things that you guys do.
1: Sure. You first. Okay, well we're so excited to be here Alicia. Yeah. This is so fun for us. Um and you're right. I I'm hopeful that we'll get to meet in person soon, hopefully when things clear up a little bit more. But yeah, you're right. I host the Do the Thing Movement podcast and we have a Patreon community associated with that um, where I get to kind of know my audience a little bit more intimately, which is super fun. And and yeah, you hit the nail on the head, just really creating resources to walk alongside women um, and encouraging them and equipping them to chase after what God has called them to do. And so um, that's what I spend a lot of my time doing. And I'll let Dustin kind of share about his role at the church a little bit.
2: Yeah, I, um, I have been the lead pastor at our church for a little over three years now. And um, I had served there for a couple of years before that, before taking the role as lead as the executive pastor and the connecting and serving pastor, which was uh, along the lines of small groups and getting people involved. And so um, this is actually, I, I started thinking about it the other day, um, I was in full-time ministry for almost a decade um, at a previous church up in Knoxville, Tennessee, where that's where we met, and we'll talk more about that, I'm sure, in a few moments, but um, it has, uh, it has not been without its challenges, of course, over the last year. I know the two of you were talking about, uh, coronavirus and how it has upset lots of schedules, but, uh, that's been the case here as well with multiple other things, but we're just really excited to be able to spend some time with you and talk with you and share.
0: Yeah. Thank you guys. I, yeah, I can imagine. I'm just more interested than anything to hear how that has been navigating leading a church. So, um, Yeah, just going to like listen in and take in what you guys say. And um, before that, though, before getting into your story, I like starting off on a fun note. And I usually ask what your like ideal date night is. You guys can answer that too. But because you you have a platform and people know you guys, um, I thought it'd be kind of fun for listeners to hear something that they might not know about you. One thing that is like a, a, whoa. I, never, I don't know, just like a hobby or something I have
1: a good like one. a I have a really good one. Okay, <laughs> okay. I've been thinking about this all morning. So I was thinking like if you just walked into our home and you like knew us, you know, online or through the church or whatever, I don't think what you would maybe know about us first off is that like on a Tuesday night, <laughs> I'm just thinking of like the last several nights, uh-huh. one of us is always creating something, something. Like we always have some kind of project going that's true. Yeah. most of the time, like we will get home, we'll, we'll eat dinner, we'll take care of the dog and all of that. And then one of us is painting something or you've got all kinds of projects going all the time. And mm-hmm. I feel like that's something that we share that maybe I don't even think we knew to the depth that we know now that we're married oh. that is like ingrained in both of us.
2: Right. Uh, the other, the other night, um, which I didn't know you were going to share that, but the other the, <laughs> other, the other night, we were sitting at the dining room table, and she was at one end with an easel and paints, and she was painting, and I was at the other end working on uh, some silicon molds in order to cast pewter, and so okay. you know, so so you know, it's it's just like a regular little arts and crafts community around here. <laughs> <on some laughs>
0: That sounds really fun actually. Yeah. It's a lot of fun, we think. It's very, very therapeutic, I'm sure, too. Painting and just putting your hands to something is right. I don't know. Kind of releases
2: Well, there's that there's that script. running there's that old joke in ministry that because ministry's never done, right? And so there's that old joke about you have to mow a lawn or 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 mop a floor or do something in order to just have something finished, right? Because you in ministry you, you seldom see things finished. It's it's always a, a process. And so you you uh, you like to see things actually accomplished. And and you're right. It, it is it is very therapeutic when you can just work with your yeah. hands and Sabbath um, yep. that way.
0: Right. Well that's great. Thank you guys for sharing that. And really quick, do you guys have an ideal date night? Is oh, yeah. Thing? Do you guys like, is that considered a date night for you guys um, doing things like that?
1: Well, not really for us. So, we don't have kids yet, which means every night is just us and our sweet dog. And so, I would say if we're at the place where, like, man, we really need to get out of the house, we live in a super small town. And so, if we were to get out and, you know, go to dinner or go shopping or whatever, We're going to run into like 80 million people in the community, which is awesome and great. But there are times I think in the last year, especially where we um, have just needed to like get away a little bit. And so we live super close to Jackson, Mississippi, which is about 45 minutes from us. So I would say a typical slash ideal date night for us would be to go up there and try out a new restaurant or one that we love and just go shopping and kind of get out of town. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. I love it. That sounds awesome. <laughs> that sounds like a perfect little night. Just get away and have fun together. So, um, okay. So this podcast, if you're new here or haven't heard any other episodes, it's here to shine a light on the sanctity of marriage and interviewing the couples that I do is to just hear what they have discovered about God's heart through marriage and really to just paint the portrait of who we are in Christ and what our life looked like before knowing him, um, or how you have felt his call on your life. So that's just kind of a precursor. So as I ask you guys this, can you just share a little bit about your testimonies, how he led you, how God led you to your respective ministries that you're in now? And you can also add in how you guys met right in this part here. Okay. Um,
2: well, I, um, I felt the the first I, I would say I would uh, the first little tugs to ministry when I was in college, and I just sensed that God had something I didn't know what that was, and when I I talked to people and I said I'm just sensing God may be leading me toward ministry, and immediately I had people say. Well, you need to go to seminary, and I said, "Well, I don't, but I don't know what I don't know what God's leading me toward." And 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 there were some very wise people who came alongside me and said, "You just need to pray about it, and and you you need to surrender that call, and then allow God to make that clear." And so I was an English major, and I graduated with an English degree, and I began to teach after graduating. And I taught in some schools uh, in the area. And then I really sensed that God was leading me to move. And one thing led to another. And I I moved to East Tennessee from South Mississippi Mm -hmm. and began to teach up there. And while I was teaching there, it became more and more clear that God was was calling me into full-time church related ministry and i started teaching sunday school and i was leading some small groups at the church where i eventually became a staff member and i had i had a uh, one of the pastors come to me and ask if i would be willing to serve as an intern in the counseling ministry there at the church and i did and then that led to the next year when they asked if i would be if i would uh, become a staff member i did And um so I was serving there as one of the one of the pastors on staff at the church. And you know, God made God God made that call clearer the more faithful I was to obey him each step of the way. So it wasn't uh and I know some people they have a very clear, a very clear direction. It's very clear what that goal is out on the horizon. Uh, Mine was, mine was just revealed a little at a time. And so I was there at the church serving on staff. And then that is where kind of my life intersected with Rebecca's.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I can kind of share my version of that as well. So I would say in late high school, early college, I really, I would have definitely said I feel called to some type of ministry, but I would say that the example that really was set for me as a woman in the church was like, the definition of ministry is you go to Bible college, you meet a guy to marry and become a pastor's wife. <laughs> and and the example that was set for me in that was not really something that I ever would say that I liked. Grew up dreaming about, right? And so I get to college and I went to a big SEC school. I went to the University of Tennessee in Knoxville, which again is where we met, and got really involved in the church that Dustin mentioned that he eventually became a staff member at. And that was really just a big time of growth spiritually for me. I discipled college girls for the first time, I taught a Sunday school class in, um, underneath the ministry that he at that time was leading. So he was our children's pastor and, um, and God just really did a work in me in that season. And that led to kind of my first years of adult life outside of school. I continued li- living in Knoxville and, um, and that season, my mom went through a cancer journey. Um, she's a survivor now has been for A little over six years, but God um, led me to start and lead a ministry for about five years that um, donated handmade hats and handwritten letters of encouragement to cancer patients all over, all over the country. And um, so, as far as what stepping into ministry looked like for me in that season, that was a big piece of it. And similar to Dustin, I think um, being faithful to that call and obedient, and that was. Really, one step at a time, and being obedient to that next right step and next right season. and um so living in Knoxville and being involved in the local church and leading that nonprofit for about five years was kind of the season I was in while he was down here as executive pastor, eventually became lead pastor. and you know one of the things I love about our story um, is I think, When we're single, we always hear that line of, You may already know your spouse, and you just don't know that you know your spouse. Right. And Uh, I was always so annoyed by that when I was single because, you know, you're just frustrated and, you know, you desire marriage and, and you look forward to that season. Uh, but if, if there's a listener listening who still finds themselves in the middle of a season of singleness, that was our story. Right. Like we met each other and we're kind of on the fringes of each other's lives. We, thought a lot of each other, but we didn't date when you were in Tennessee. And then God reconnected us many years later. So it was a really fun story.
2: Well, you never know. You just never yeah.
0: know. I feel like I'm in that boat. I'm still single. And it's funny. People think, oh, you have a marriage podcast. How, what, what is that story? But I am like, <laughs> I know what you're talking about. I'm like, it's like, you're taking inventory of who's in your life. Like, well, maybe it could be that. No, it's probably someone you'd have no idea.
1: Oh, Yeah. Yeah. I love (laughs) I also love that you're leading this as a single woman and you're learning so much about marriage. That's so cool.
0: I am am. (laughs) like I almost know too much. I probably (laughs) blindly go into it a little bit, but no, I'm just kidding. It's it's been a lot of fun to learn and hear from people and what they've learned. But um, so how did that transition? So Rebecca, you mentioned that People might not know this by listening to you guys. There's a 19 year age difference between the two of you. I love that. Honestly, that's just, I don't know. That's really cool. So was, first of all, how you transitioned or how you said you reconnected later. So yeah. maybe start with that. How, how did that reconnection happen? And then when you had to confront that, I'm sure you did. It's yeah talk about it and be like, okay, well, so the conversation you guys had about the age difference and maybe any hesitations or just um, that type of thing, like opinions. I know people have their opinions about the, yes,
2: yes. We've heard those. Uh, We've heard some of them. Um, No, we, um, as Rebecca mentioned, we, I was, I was sort of leading, um, the ministry where she was involved. And actually one of my coworkers looked at me one Sunday morning and when I was still living in Knoxville and said, Hey, what about Rebecca? And I said, what about her? And she said, Rebecca. (laughs) And I said, what about her? And she said, you should date Rebecca. And I said, no, I'm not going to date Rebecca. I said, she was, what's wrong with Rebecca? I said, nothing's wrong with Rebecca. I said, but I don't know how long I'm going to be here. And I don't know. I don't know if I want to date anybody right now. And I don't know. And I had all my, I had all my quote unquote reasons, but, um, but, you know, we were following each other on Instagram and that was after I had moved back to Mississippi and we just started having a conversation Uh, just direct messaging each other on Instagram and just, Hey, how are you? How's ministry going? How's this going? And then uh, eventually Rebecca just said, uh, in in one of the messages, she said, I don't know why we're still just messaging each other. Here's my number. (laughs) And so we started, we started talking maybe once a week. And then that, went maybe maybe a little more sporadically than that and then it turned into once a week and then it was once every two or three days and then we found ourselves talking every night and (laughs) and we just realized you know there was there was just there was something there and um then we met up in memphis uh she was going over to saint jude to uh on a trip uh, with, for a, a hat delivery, I guess you were going yeah. over there for, yeah. for your, for your ministry. And I had told her, uh, well, I'll drive up to Memphis and, um, and just grab coffee with you, which is a four hour drive. Right. So I'll just, <laughs> just pop up to Memphis and, uh, yeah, have dinner and coffee. And, and we, we kind of knew, I think then that that yeah. something, something was going on. And, and, and so far as the age thing, um, you know, we've had a, we had a small number of people who, who said something about it, but as a whole, um, that, that never, I don't know that we ever really talked in depth about that.
1: Here's where I remember us having a conversation about it.
2: Clearly you remember it
1: was, I it. do, I do, um, and I think, I mean, to be fair, I think for my friends and family coming into a relationship where I was going to basically move everything about my life down here, mm. there was there was probably a lot more conversation on my end about the age difference than there was yours. Probably so. To be fair, right? Yeah, to be fair, yeah. And so, all
2: my buddies were like,
1: "Yeah." yeah. <laughs> yeah and so <laughs>
2: how did
0: you do that? <laughs> yeah. probably not even that obvious unless people really know Like
2: yeah i mean she she clearly does not look 19 years older than me i mean <laughs> <laughs> I'm, kidding. I'm kidding
1: um so so there was the memphis trip and then a few weeks later i was kind of getting to that place of okay we've been talking on the phone for months we have been really intentional about getting to know each other. And I think we were both at that place of like, all right, how are we going to do this? What's this going to look like? And so I guess about a month after the Memphis trip, I came to see you Mm -hmm. and I came, I came to Meridian and we spent a weekend together and that was sort of the sit down, like, all right, (laughs) let like, are we both committed to this? Like, what's this going to look like? do I call you my boyfriend? You know, like that type of conversation. Yeah. And I remember that was really the only time we were like, okay, do you have an issue with the age difference? No. Mm-hmm. Well, do you have an issue with the age difference? Oh, yeah.
2: I remember that conversation.
1: Though. No. It was and so short. yeah, it was super short. And I will say Alicia on my, on my end, I can remember conversations with friends, particularly in particular, one friend, um, you know, as I was telling her about Dustin and and all of that, and and she, I think, brought up the age difference, just in asking me, like, you know, well, how do you feel about it, and and everything I could really think about was pointing back to what other people would maybe think about it, <laughs> and she kind of right. called me out on that. Like, I remember us yep. kind of talking for a few minutes, and then she was like, "Well, Rebecca, everything you said really is." how will this be perceived by other people? Like I wanna know, do you have an issue with the age difference? And I remember being like, Well, no, I really don't. And and that was really it. And so yeah, I would say that's kind of been our experience there. Yeah. So it's
0: not really, it's age is just a number. Like it they really
1: say.
2: Is. Yeah. And, and, yeah she, it is. and she told me that she likes antiques. So she <laughs> My said, God. That's, <laughs> <laughs> Anyway.
0: Yeah, I feel like especially how old were you guys, or you don't have to say your ages, but like you're probably, it sounds like you went through just such a um, a season in your life where you lived apart from like, I don't know, I just feel like if you've like lived and experienced your life, like that just doesn't matter. Cause I could see if there was someone like 20 yeah. and then like less 19. That's like huge life experiences sure, yeah. that, that maybe sure. might not align yet, but like you guys had gone through pretty similar things. So literally it was just a number sure. and yeah. Well, were like and a the
2: lot- other thing is both of us are very independent. Right. And so she had a very full life, uh, a life full of ministry, a life full of uh, going and, and doing and enjoying and, and, um, uh, You know, she a big time runner and marathoner and doing all the ministry and just I mean, just enjoying, you know, all of all of those, all that independence. And and I was as well uh, doing ministry left and right. And and as Paul talks about serving without distraction, I was I was able to serve in a capacity uh, because I I did not have a, a family. And so, uh, I, I didn't, I didn't have anyone waiting on me at home. And so I was able to, to minister in, in some ways that, you know, would, would be exhausting if I was, you yeah. know, having lead a family at the same time. And so we experienced that, that independence and that freedom. And so it very much became, it wasn't, it, we didn't, I don't think either of us felt like, oh, I need to get married. I need
1: another
2: person. Um, we were, I was, uh, you know, I, I, I had a desire to be married, but if that was not what God wanted, I was perfectly okay with being single the rest of my life. That was, that was fine.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think for me, it was also this sort of like, I'd love to not do this alone anymore. Like I'd love to have a partner in this. Mm -hmm. I think that would have been what I would have said. Sure. Yeah. Right.
0: I get that. Yeah. So from that, you guys had to transition. So Rebecca, you had to move, correct? You had to leave in Tennessee. So briefly, I guess how you guys went from that, you know, dating and to marriage, but then becoming full-time ministry together because you guys had it independently. Did it feel like, did you guys, how did that transition? How did you guys go from that place to just, yeah. Uh, Maybe a challenge you faced or something like that.
1: Yeah. So we dated long distance. By the time, you know, we would have called it like, hey, we're together. We're doing this. We're pursuing marriage Um, for about six months before he proposed. So it was about a year of really pursuing each other. And um, yeah, I mean, everything about my life changed when we got married and um, changed jobs. I moved. 9 hours away from my family became a pastor's wife, left my church family, joined into a new church family as, you know, his wife and so um it was I mean definitely the most extreme season of change that I have ever been through and um it was really hard. I mean I I I, I don't want to leave that out like we're it's we've really found our groove and and kind of settled in to marriage now, but that first six months to a year was really, really hard. It was hard to be away from family. Um, there was the part of me that is an eternal optimist that probably had a little bit of rose colored glasses about joining him in ministry and being a pastor's wife and all that would entail. And so the honeymoon phase of that wears off at some point. Right. right. And, um, you know, yeah. It was, it was really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and we I had about a, about a year before COVID hit um, to really kind of settle in. And and then there was then brought that challenge. Right. And so um, I don't know, how would you want to speak to that season when we got married?
2: Uh, well, as I mentioned earlier, when, and and by no means am I saying that, you know, we were, you know, we were fighting all the time, or anything. Like right. That. I want to be clear with that. Yeah. Because what I'm about to say, I need to preface with that. Um, when you take two very independent people and then put them together, you know, who <laughs> have they've been, they've been, they've been <laughs> largely alone for for uh, the majority of their life, and then you you put them together. And we, we were a great, and and we are a great team, but at the same time, you know, it was a, it was a, it's a pretty steep learning curve because, you know, here, here I am already way into ministry and I've kind of found, I've kind of gone through the process of learning how ministry is different in a much smaller town and going from a mega church uh, ministry to a much smaller size and navigating, you know, all of the, all of the small town, you know, yeah. idiosyncrasies, <laughs> right. And so, so getting into that and, you know, and so I'm already sort of, kind of moving along through this. And I've, I've been through that process of, of adaptation and then she gets here and she's really having to learn all of the things. And then I'm trying to be a support to her. And, and it was, I mean, it was, it was very, it was very difficult because we were both accustomed to, Oh, um, I'm going to go, I'm going to run off to the mountains and go fly fishing today. And then for dinner, we, you know, we could, we could go here, we could go there and, and, you know, with limited options. And then you find yourself in each other's company uh, for longer spans of time. I don't, don't, I'm not just talking about living in the same home and, and uh, you know, doing life together under the same roof. I'm talking about just on a general basis, Because of the smallness of the area, you, by default, are together for a much longer period of time.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and I think, you know, coming here, another dimension of that is every person I knew, I was also their pastor's wife, and that was new to me. And you know you had you had lived twelve years of ministry prior to marrying me that that I didn't have that history and so walking into that coming from a community where I was discipling college girls all the time always had people over at my house I was always going out for a run with somebody I just had this really deep well of community that was gone when I got here and so. Um, You know, I think the whole conversation of I can't find all of my fulfillment in my spouse kind of comes in too, right? Like I couldn't, he was such a support to me and such an encouragement, but um, it really drove me also back to my relationship with Christ and how he is, he ultimately fulfills me um, in those times. And I think that was huge for me in this season. as we kind of navigated all of that, but man, yeah, I'm glad we'll never have to do that again, right yeah. <laughs> yes. it. so
0: on that note, I'm just thinking what is there an assumption you had about being a pastor's wife that you could debunk for people if they're listening, they're like, oh, it must be this or this if they have the dream to be the pastor's wife if someone's single listening, or just what it is like being married to a pastor like it yeah. is it just one thing maybe that you found that, oh my gosh, this is a lot more than I thought. I'm sure you could say that to anything in life. It's like once you're experiencing it, it's you have to navigate it, go through it, and you discover things about it that there's realities to it
1: that you might not have
0: thought about. So
1: Yeah. Man, he's sitting here smiling at me and I'm, I'm, there's like so many directions I could go here. (laughs) And I I will say I had a whole conversation with some of my friends who have a podcast called pastor's wives tell all, um, Alicia, I think you have maybe heard of their show. We talked all about like the transition of becoming a pastor's wife and it's a whole like hour long conversation. So if somebody really wants to be able to get to know, um kind of inside my head about that whole season that's a good conversation to listen to um but you know I th- I think I'm, I mentioned this earlier I grew up in really a church culture where the pastors wives I knew were very meek very um they were they became moms at a very young age they um, supported their husband, had their hands in a million things in the local church, which are all awesome, high and holy callings and are great things. And I think I moved here kind of sorting out my experience versus my reality of also being a girl who still worked a job remotely in corporate America and yeah. felt a call to start this podcast ministry and and write and do do a little bit more public ministry that I don't know I've never walked alongside another pastor's wife that kind of had that same call and so I think one of the challenges for me has been um, feeling pretty isolated here I, to be super you know transparent I can say that um and just really kind of navigating maybe some cultural expectations that maybe I put on myself of what I felt like, you know, maybe somebody expected of me and things like that. And so there's just a lot of that that I think I had to navigate through in the first few months um, along with, you know, Dustin said it really well earlier when he said ministry never is really finished or it never really stops. And so, you know, I think that was something that, maybe I've seen and and have learned over time. Um, And I think we have had to be really intentional to carve out that time of, hey, Saturday's really our only day together. And so we're going to choose to go to Jackson and go on a date night or or we're going to take this day and we're going to rest and just be still. Um, Those things don't just happen (laughs) in in our life. I think we really have to be intentional about that. And so, um, you know, if you're, if you're listening and you're in the church and you're thinking, Hey, how can I, you know, encourage my pastor or know more about their life? I would say, you know, encourage them to find that in their own marriage and um, because it, it doesn't just happen. Hmm. I don't know. What do you have to add to that?
2: No. And, and, and I think, I think you're absolutely right. That There's a degree of intentionality that you, you have to have uh, so far as carving out that time and, and i think that's that's one thing that that people fail to realize is you know they most people most people interact with their pastor their pastor's wife maybe on sunday morning and for the majority of people that's probably the only time they see them and even then it's maybe even at a distance mm-hmm. and so they have all these assumptions and I I don't think that most people realize the reality, and, and they may say it, mm-hmm. but the reality of um, you know, pastors and pastors' wives, they are people too. And and I know that sounds very simplistic, but usually when you say that, someone will maybe respond with something along the lines of. Well, I know they're people. I mean, they they sin like everybody else. Well, but it's it's beyond that. Yes, we're we're broken people in need of a of a redeemer. But at the same time, yeah, we we get we get tired and we get we get frustrated and we experience stressors and and we have all of those things that that come with um with job and with work and with, uh, all of the, 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 daily things that we face. Um, I've had, I've, I've hired some people over the years who came in from outside ministry and who attended maybe the particular church where we hired them. And so they were members, they were attendees. And then they were hired on as staff members. And we have one in our church right now that I'm thinking of. And she had one idea of what went on behind the scenes. And then she, she joined the staff and just here in the last few weeks, she said, "You know, I had no idea. I had no idea at all what people face in ministry on a day-to-day basis. She said, this just, it, it, it's stunning to me to to see this and i also think that um i tried to help and I, I tried to help with the transition and and in retrospect i really don't know if i did a great job to prepare some of uh our people for rebecca becoming the pastor's <laughs> wife um i i was trying to protect rebecca I remember I had a conversation. Did I ever tell you this about the, the the cucumber sandwiches? Did I ever tell you this? No. Did we ever have this talk? Okay. This is news. Okay. So revelation. Here we go. <laughs> Full disclosure. Um, I had a conversation with a few people and and they were telling me, they were asking me what Rebecca was like. And they were saying, well, you know, when Rebecca gets here, X, Y, Z. And it was like a, a, like a little list of, of some things that, They were not expectations. They were more preferences. And though they did not mention this, I want to be fair, though they did not mention this, I said to them, if you think that Rebecca is going to be the kind of woman who is going to come in and make cucumber sandwiches so that all the little ladies can come one afternoon and eat them and all sit around and gossip, well, you can put that out of your mind there will be no cucumber sandwiches and <laughs> and they just all looked at me and someone said no one said anything about cucumber sandwiches i said i'm saying i'm saying this more ideologically no cucumber sandwiches okay period that's not who she is and so it it really kind of threw a bucket of cold water on the conversation and in retrospect i probably could have handled that much better and much more diplomatically <laughs> but but well, at the time, you know, at the time my knee jerk was I know how hard this I know how hard this is going to be already, at least to some degree. Yep. So I'm trying to protect her and in doing so, you know, so to but has anyone ever asked you to make a cucumber Nobody sandwich? Nobody
1: has ever asked me to make there a you cucumber know. sandwich. There you so go. mission <laughs> Well, I can imagine
0: because I just feel like when you're on the platform, people feel like they know you, they want to know everything about you probably. And it's just, it's anything like that when you have some sort of just, yeah, I guess it is a platform. Um, I know that's,
2: mm-hmm. sure. I don't
0: know if that's the right way to put it, but I yeah, um, feel like you have to be on all the time too. Like why you go to Jackson? Like, cause you're like, we just want a night off, like where we don't yeah, have mm-hmm. to be sure. on I can, yeah, I can only imagine what that must feel like, um, to some degree, especially in a smaller town.
2: As Rebecca alluded to earlier, yeah, it's also really important that, and I have them in my life and she has friends in her life that do not see us primarily as yeah, the pastor and the pastor's wife.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Uh, I can be Dustin with them. She can be mm-hmm. Rebecca with them, mm-hmm. uh, not First Lady, you know, not, you know, it, it's we can go over to uh, their homes and right. we can go with them, uh, go with them, do something, hang out, have dinner, and just be us. Wow. And right. I, one of my friends, uh, he always tells me, we will talk as much about church as you want, or we can not talk about church. At all. And that's okay. And so that's that's really important to have because I think everybody thinks that in the pastor's household, you know, like we come home and every night we have an elaborate Bible study with (laughs) with, uh, you know, I pull out the whiteboard and I'm like, Hey, (laughs) let's tackle this theological quandary. That's not that's not we're just people. We're just we're just really fun people. Right.
1: Yeah.
0: Right. I get that. I can't I bet. I mean, even this, thank you guys for talking about it because you're more than that. Like there's so much more to you guys, but it probably is just interesting for people to hear just a little tidbit about that. Maybe they didn't realize that a light bulb will go off. Yeah. (laughs) So you're saying, so I had that question for you. It was what people want to know about what pastors do during the week. So you guys have project nights and... Just do you get to enjoy your Sunday evening? I've always wondered that. I've always wondered how our like my pastor, if he gets to if he's on all Sunday, I just feel like Sunday's not a day of rest, Mm,
2: right? Not one day,
0: but when you're in ministry, I'm like, no, 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 it's Mm -hmm. Monday usually, (laughs) or probably or Tuesday or something. So
2: mine is mine is Friday, okay? Uh, My my quote unquote weekend is Friday, Saturday, um. Sunday, we we actually on our Sunday evenings we have we have small groups that meet at the church during the week, and we have some groups that meet on Sunday morning. But we also have some groups that meet on Sunday evening, and so we have groups ministry going on then as well. Uh, I I lead some sort of. Bible study or something. It's not a, it's not a full blown sermon or anything like that, but it is, it's a group study. Um, actually we're going through, uh, a series right now that I'm teaching through about just very practical, almost, um, I would say almost similar seminary level type of class, uh, maybe without a lot of the uh, technical, uh, theological jargon, but I'm, I'm going through, uh, studying the Bible, just how to study the Bible, a step-by-step, uh, process of studying the Bible just to help equip our people. And so Sunday evenings for us become, and I know Rebecca leads a group. yeah, She leads a group on Sunday night as well. And so that's more of a, of a group thing. Um, but Sunday Sunday is, you know, we have time to come back, grab a bite to eat. Mm. Um, maybe we might hang out with somebody at, at lunch or something. And then basically we, we turn around and come back. Our Sunday evening, I'll put evening in air quotes, our Sunday evening actually begins at 5 p.m. And so okay. uh, we're, we're wrapped up by early evening and, and we have taken off and, gone driven up to Jackson or something for dinner that night and things like that. So we get, we get done fairly early in the evening. Yeah. We're usually after Sunday morning, we are, we are wiped out. Yeah. It is an exhausting, exhausting day.
0: I'm sure I, yeah, I, I served for the last seven years in children's ministry. And so that's just me attending one service and then going into the classroom and then, I'm tired. <laughs> so I can't sure, even it. Absolutely. <laughs> well, kids, yeah. yeah. Kids can give you a run for your money, no matter oh,
2: yeah.
0: how long. But yeah, off of that, just really quickly, like you did mention it, Rebecca, I think it was, you, were, you mentioned it about leading a church through a pandemic, how you guys ah. have navigated that. I'm sure that could be a whole podcast episode, but just
1: oh, briefly yes. just.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Just something that um, you guys have found just as you've navigated through it. I've, I've prayed for pastors because I can't even imagine just with all the changing guidelines every like week, you know, there's just and then people and their difference of opinions. Just, yeah. How have you guys navigated that? Maybe even the, the trial and errors that you found Um, and then even just nah. like on a broader. Scale, just like an exhortation to the church, I feel like there's so much. I don't want to put this on the church that there's division, but there's just a lot of differing opinions right now, and I think yeah. social media contributes a lot to that. So yeah. I try to tune it out. Um, but yeah, yeah, so that's kind of a question.
1: No, I, it's an important question, and before I let my husband talk about this, because this is way above my pay grade. I just want to say, if you are listening and you have a pastor in your life that you love or are walking alongside, um, I can almost promise you they are exhausted right now. Um, You know, we're about a year past kind of the inception of COVID and how it affected the world around us. And I think we all walked into, you know, maybe our first stay at home order or whatever thinking, Ah, here in a few weeks, it's gonna be like that swine flu thing and it's gonna blow over and the world will be fine again. And it has been a long season of endurance over the last year for pastors and their families. And so um I'm just gonna shut up and let my husband <laughs> talk about what that's been like for him. But oh no well, you're in that.
2: No, she she is. <laughs> she's she's been, she has been in the middle of it all. Um I I would say that very briefly. I'd say the first thing is um, that, you know, we, I think we truly underestimate the importance of prayer on a daily basis, but whenever you're making decisions that impact, you know, hundreds and in, in some cases for those maybe in a larger venue and thousands of people, then prayer had, had better be at the forefront of, of what you're doing before you're making any decisions. And our staff was so faithful at the very beginning to, to pray. Um, we went into a time before the first stay at home order came out just at the beginning of the rumblings. Um, we sat down and developed a whole action plan and. I, I sat with them and, and had each one of them develop an individualized ministry plan for the eventuality that these things would take place. And I, had, and I announced to the church that we had a plan. And of course, to your point, I had people coming up to me after that sermon saying, I don't know if you should have said that. That may panic people. I said, we just have a plan. We, we never have to use it. But if we do need to use it, we have a plan well then shortly thereafter we had to put the plan into play and just knowing that there was a plan alleviated a great deal of pressure not only on the staff but also on our congregation you know you're you're right in that there are so many opinions and you know we've had you know we like many other pastors that i've spoken to you know we've experienced people who say um, the church should not come, the church should not meet together until everybody is vaccinated. And then we have other people saying the church should never have stopped, you know, uh, meeting together in person at all. And then you have people who say, if you wear a mask, you are a conspiracy theorist or something. And if you, if you don't wear a mask, then you're trying to, you know, hurt people. And and so you have, you have all of this all of these people all along the spectrum and
1: sitting in your pews,
2: sitting in your pews. Yeah, exactly. Not just, not just outside voices, but inside voices. And so you're having to navigate that. And I just kept emphasizing grace that we are, we are going to extend grace to each other and we are going to not cause, uh, you know, a weaker brother or sister to stumble. And we are going to, uh, show, um, compromise and we're not going to injure someone's conscience, but at the same time, we don't have to be legalistic about certain things. Um, we don't have to, you know, we, we need to be careful to not over spiritualize political issues or over politicize spiritual issues. And, and also we, we have to understand that. And one of the drums that I kept banging was that, you know, very few people are going to get everything wrong, but no one is going to get every bit of this right. And so we, we have to approach it with a degree of grace, realizing that, you know, we, we have people who are going to show up who say, I know exactly how the church should function during a pandemic, a having never been through a pandemic and B not even, not even knowing what happens behind the scenes on a day-to-day basis. And, and I get calls from them or emails and they have a long laundry list of this is what should happen. And I'm thinking, you know, I don't, there's those emails that you start to write and you write them maybe in, in Word or you write them on pages, but you don't send it. (laughs) So, but you write that first email and you delete it. At the same time, it's really been an exercise in In showing grace, and and let me go ahead and say that the vast majority, and I mean the vast majority of our church has been very adaptive. And they have they have rolled with the punches, they have they have adapted, they they've swapped to online only format. When we've had to do that, many of our groups went to online only format. And so they prove themselves to be extraordinarily adaptive. Showing grace, prayer, planning, and just realizing this type of meeting and this type of fluidity is par for the course for much of the world who are meeting uh, in church services. And also it's par for the course for, for people throughout historic Christianity when they did not have a place to meet and they were having to meet in groups or they were having to... You know, we have the luxury of of meeting online and the staff and worship team would be present and everyone else would, would just join online from one of our, our multiple digital venues that we were offering. So, but most people don't even have that in certain places around the world. And so just re- reminding everyone, putting a perspective that this, this time frame pre pandemic of the freedom and the enjoyment of worship that we we were able to participate in, that's just not the norm around the world. And it's also not the norm in historic Christianity. And so uh, if we have to make some adaptations, that's okay. That's okay. I mean, the church will prevail. God is faithful. And so we will, uh, we will just continue to press on.
0: Yeah, It's so true. I've thought about that often of the persecuted church across the world and what lengths they have to go to, to meet in the underground church in different countries and, I don't know. I'm like, Lord, what are you preparing us for? Sure. Right. <laughs> we're just, we're just yeah. Just counting our blessings, rather. You know, if it's not even that, it's just like, wow. I mean, right. What really is the essential of church? And it is just finding that space to come together, so that we do have the luxury of internet and online. As of now, we can still do that. So, and
2: sure. and you, and you well, have to think- ask yourself if if the church yeah. if the church can't navigate a pandemic, how is she right. going to endure persecution? Because right. if, if this is causing this much disruption in people's yeah. minds and lives and and their stability, and it, and it has been all of that, it's been very disruptive. But if if this throws people off to that degree spiritually, what would persecution do? So uh, I think to your point, I that's know, a, that's a very that <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a I that's a very that. that's a very weighty question to to to. contemplate and turn over.
0: Yeah, it really is. Um, Well, I could go on and on, ask you guys all kinds of different questions about ministry, but I love that you have um, a place. People can listen to you guys more, um, either your sermons or your podcast, Rebecca. So to close this out, I was just going to ask, what are you both currently working on or focused on and where can listeners connect with you
1: both? Sure. I'll say this is another specific podcast episode we did together that would be an encouragement to people who just want to know more. We did one about how to pray for your pastor around Pastor's Appreciation Month last year. So it would have been sometime in October. So if you go back in the archives of Do The Thing Movement, that's a really good one to listen to. But um yeah. Like you, Alicia, I'm always having conversations like this and meeting new authors and people that I really respect and and want to hear from and gain wisdom from. And so the podcast is always ongoing. Um, I'm working on a book and Dustin has one kind of stirring around in him as well. And so we're excited to see what God does with that in the coming months, and the coming years. Um, and he's just really been opening a lot of doors of provision for that over the last six to eight months. And so we're just really grateful and excited to see what he does through that. But yeah, and then just, you know, continuing to be faithful here. And
0: and then there's, I'm sure they could log on to the oh, yeah. church the website if they yes. wanted to hear any sermons. Or-
2: yes. Uh, easiest way is probably through Apple Podcasts. Uh, East Haven Baptist Church. And uh, if you type in East Haven Baptist Church, there are actually two that pop up. Uh, we are the oh, red okay. logo.
0: Is uh, it one or the, the other? Or is it blue
2: logo is actually a church that uh, we help partner with to actually start. And um, so there are two East Havens. They are connected, but yeah, um, the uh, the red logo is is uh, is our East Haven. Yeah,
1: and I'll say too, he's been preaching through a series that he called Holy Grit, that really mm-hmm. has just been an encouragement to the church as we endure during this time of just political change and all the things going on in the world, um, that's really been an encouragement. So if listeners want to listen to that, that would um, definitely be an encouragement to the church right now. So
0: sure. I'll definitely link it and try to make it as easy as possible yeah, for people to get to it. So thank you guys. I wish I could say I was in person in Mississippi. I usually, yes, <laughs> I was doing that. For the first couple of years but you know the Lord's just like you know just just try the virtual medium it works yeah it, works.
1: <laughs> yeah. it yeah.
0: gets done faster but um I really appreciate you guys coming on and sharing all that you did and hopefully one day I will connect with you in person yes
1: we will we'll room together at a conference one day for sure yeah.
2: <laughs>
0: yes
1: we'll take it we'll to make it happen.
2: For dinner.
0: yeah, yeah. I, yes I'm very curious now about Jackson. there's been a lot of <laughs> plugs I would love to yeah i'm sure well thank you guys again
2: thank you alicia
0: be sure to follow on instagram at the marriage project co or check out the website www.themarriageproject.co to see all the photos that accompany each testimony behind each matrimony and be sure to subscribe for the community newsletter to get each episode sent directly to your inbox